Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Scree Gear, and it is New Year's, New Year holiday as you're listening to the release of this episode, and if you ask for Scree Gear for Christmas, and you didn't get it under the Christmas tree, uh, Scree is having a great after Christmas sale with essentially site-wide discounts on... uh, most everything they sell and that discounts automatically applied to your card at checkout and you got through the first of the year to take advantage of that so if you were hoping you got something for christmas or maybe you got something for christmas and you want to add another piece to it you can uh, take advantage of the after christmas sale at screegear.com and if you want to add another piece we now have a louisiana bowhunter edition scree hat that you can get at LouisianaBowhunter.com. But, as Colin says, you have to match. So, if you buy a Louisiana Bowhunter Scree hat, then you've got to go buy Scree shirt, jacket, pants, and everything. Because you have to match. Otherwise, what are you really doing trying to hunt? All in Summit. And it has to be in Summit. You can't even buy Solace because our hat's in Summit. And what are you even doing if your camouflage doesn't match? Colin and Kyler are are the ent- K- Kyler makes it a point. He's trying to make a point to the world. I hope he's listening to this. He's he he tries to make it a point to the world that he 
intentionally mis- mix matches his camo. That's his thing. 100%. Colin is the antithesis of that. Colin literally will not, he will get cold before he wears mismatching camo. <laughs> he will literally sit in the tree with me filming and be cold because he won't wear something that would keep him warmer because it's not the same camouflage as everything else. So. Hey, man, look good, film good, you know? Yeah, look good, film good. I, I mean, I, I feel that way about my shot execution, too, because I I, I have to admit, I didn't... The, it's been since our last podcast, and, you know, we, we did take last week off for Christmas. Um, just a lot going on, and we decided to, to take a week off and enjoy the holidays, and... But uh, and and we had the hunt with the scree guys and, and and we had that podcast the week before. But I I didn't talk about it. But I actually missed a deer, and um, it's the first deer I've missed in I don't know. I tried to count it up, but it's probably been about ten years, and I just blew it. I just I just blew it. wasn't a good release. I I think I rushed the shot. But I think really what happened was I didn't have my camo wasn't matching, and probably so. And I'm pretty sure that like in the peripheral vision when I went. And when I when I really put my nose down on the string and I tried to look through the peep, I noticed, and it was just brought to mind that my my jacket was solace and my pants were summit, and that didn't and that just threw me all off, and I shot right over the deer's back. That is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it just messes with the gravitational pull, and it made my arrow flight completely wonky. Aerodynamics and everything. My arrow couldn't believe where it was coming from, and it just went haywire in flight towards the deer. <laughs> That's definitely what happened. Yeah. So, obviously, Levi and Colin are both on. Levi is driving back to his hunting camp, and um, so you'll hear a little road noise, but we'll have him anyway, I guess. Um, and um, it's, you know, going into the new year, and we got a few things. We got a guest, uh, a, a returning guest on the podcast tonight with us, and... Uh, we're going to have a little conversation about the rut and about the cold weather we've experienced around the state last week and some New Year's resolution talking. We're just going to just have a conversation about that with our guests. But before that, um, it was brought to my attention that I don't think we ever publicly announced the winner of the November gear giveaway. We did do the drawing and the buzzard roof saddle was won by Mr. Bradley Cormier. And uh, we did contact Bradley, and we did get him his prize, but uh, we didn't publicly announce that. So here's me publicly announcing congratulations to Bradley Cormier. We do a, a, a monthly gear giveaway, so every order placed on our website gets in the drawing. So if you place more than one order, you get in the drawing more than once. And uh, uh, we did a, a, a Scree Gridlight Jacket, for uh october and we did a buzzard roost saddle for november and for december our gear giveaway is a moultrie edge cellular trail camera uh louisiana bow hunter hat and a louisiana bow hunter shirt and um as you're listening to this you'll have three days we're gonna we'll go to we'll go since it's a holiday we'll go through january the first on the december giveaway so if you get your order in by the end of the day on january the first you'll get in the giveaway for december and that will be a Moultrie Edge cellular trail camera, brand new in the box. Colin hasn't even opened it and tampered with it yet, and a uh, LABH hat and T-shirt. So that is our monthly gear giveaway update. And then we also, we talk about it off and on, 
And um, we are still planning to do our Louisiana Bowhunter film film contest at the end of the season. And I can I can kind of announce to you a few updates. One of which is we've decided that for year one we're gonna we're gonna do two two uh, places a winner and a runner and a runner up for the contest. So essentially. Um, We'll have a big gear package. What we can tell you right now, we know for sure in first place. We'll get a Scree Whitetail Bundle, a Buzzard Roost Saddle, and a Louisiana Bowhunter gear package. And we're going to add to that. We're working on a few other pieces of gear to add to that. And our runner-up will receive a Louisiana Bowhunter gear package. And all of those videos, films that are uh, submitted to us, all of those will be featured on all of the Louisiana Bowhunter media and we'll uh, tag you and give credit for your work and showcase your work out there, uh, your stories and your hunts and all that for everyone to see. So really hoping that people are out there filming their their season or their specific hunts or, or whatever your storyline might be. But I uh, hope that you're getting out there and uh, running cameras and getting ready to put that together in a film for us at the end of the season. We're going to open up submissions for that at the end of January I know the season it goes into February in parts of the state, so we're going to leave submissions into the contest open all the way to the end of March to give everyone that's hunting the late season as well as people that just need time to edit and produce their film, give them plenty of time to get that in. And then once we get to the end of March, we'll, uh, we'll go through a judging process and we'll have a winner announced in April. And, um, you know, I'd also like to like to say that by the end of January we'll start just getting some information out there just we've talked a lot about the rules and regulations and we you can you can go back to our podcast earlier in the season with Hunter Brown and and we talked about it in detail on that but we'll actually get something out on social media on our website and stuff that, that you can actually download or look at something like in a pdf format or something like that that's actually got kind of basic rules and regulations documented it's not going to be too in-depth we want people to kind of be creatively free to to take part in this but that's another thing that's upcoming and uh hope you guys are uh looking to to take part in that so here we are as you're listening to this we're uh getting into the new year holiday it'll be new year's eve and new year's this weekend um all of us have been hunting a pretty good bit over the last couple of weeks. I, I, take a minute before we get to our guest. Take a minute to kind of, kind of get caught up with you guys. What what have you, what have you seen? What have you experienced over the last couple of weeks? It should be should be a great time of the year, and uh, cold weather and all those things. So give me an update on on how your season's going. Hey, it's Brian Chamberlain with Movement Mortgage. We're happy to be back for our second year supporting Louisiana Bowhunter. Just want to let you know that we're here for all of your mortgage needs, whether it's a purchase, a refinance, a renovation loan, or to take equity out of your home. We're also an equal opportunity lender, so whether you shoot a crossbow, a compound bow, a fixed blade, or an expandable, we're here for all of your mortgage needs. You can reach us at 504-228-3780 or at chamberlainteam at movement.com. Movement Mortgage, NMLS number 39179, Brian Chamberlain, NMLS number 114586, licensed in Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, and Florida. Uh, well, 
I've had a very interesting past few days. Um, I've been seeing a ton of rut activity. Um, I'll start off by saying, uh, Locke, where you and Josh were hunting, and I went in there kind of in the same spot in a different tree to kind of give me a little bit better wind advantage. And uh, I cut, had to cut some whims going up and made all kinds of racket. It was still dark and stuff. And uh, I actually pulled my bow up the tree and hung it. I was setting my camera arm up on the tree and I heard some ice break and I was actually facing the tree which would have been facing out into that old you know grown up duck hole out there and I look up and I am not kidding you 50 yards from my tree a buck stands up on the edge of that water hole he was laying down right there in the edge of it literally 50 yards from me I saw him stand up and uh anyways he he came out, came around me, and walked around. I never could get turned around in the tree. He kind of got a whiff of me when he walked out and got kind of nervous and worked his way kind of back around in front of me, but I never could get, get turned around in the tree. I didn't have my camera arm base on the tree yet, so I kind of had it, like, in my hand, so I was just kind of stuck there. And... uh yeah, I'm sure it's probably one of those three deer that y'all saw in there. He was a really, really nice eight point. Probably, no, oh, he was close to 130 inches, maybe. But, anyways, I screwed that up. And then I guess it was the next afternoon. Um, I actually went and hunted a place. Locks hunted in there before. He hunted back with me a couple of years ago, and I put him in there. I was kind of in a different tree than where you hunted, but uh, I started off by when I walked in there, I saw a mama bear with two cubs walking through right where the deer were, and I was like, "Oh, well, this this is going to be a complete bust." They kind of, I got about fifty yards from them they kind of just scurried on off and disappeared i got set up in the tree and saw probably seven or eight does there was a little forking horn deer in there chasing them around every which way and i looked back south of me about 4 30 and here comes a buck out of a thicket and he was a shooter he was a nice he wasn't he wasn't as big as that deer i saw the other day but he was a nice deer, mature deer, very, very old deer. I'd, hopefully, we get to see this deer again. But uh, he worked his way up that slough, walked up to me, got to like 18 yards. He was quartering away really, really hard. I actually got it on video, and I shot him and hit him too far forward, uh, the air really needed to go in right in front of his back hip, and I hit him either barely in the shoulder or right behind the shoulder, and it was probably, I'm just guessing and saying I was probably an inch or two off on my 
shot where I was aiming at and didn't, I don't think it's going to kill him. It literally went in. It probably, it broke off about six or eight inches of my arrow. I'm sure it went right down beside his shoulder and stuck in his brisket right there and probably missed all the vitals probably. So, mm-hmm. well, you just got to hope it was a infection or something like that doesn't get him. That'd be the only thing. Yeah, it was, I was, I was sick about it because, uh, I hadn't got a shot. I've seen some nice deer. I haven't got a really good shot at a good deer this year. And that was, you only, you only get a few opportunities a year. I mean, I don't care where you hunt in Louisiana. You don't get very many opportunities. And uh, I just, I screwed it up. I made a bad shot. I'm 18 yards is dang near do that blindfolded or should be able to, but it was a, uh, I probably should have waited, and I actually had to stop him right there because he's getting in kind of behind some some trees and stuff where I wasn't gonna be able to shoot him. And it was kind of a bad decision to shoot, but I did anyways. So that was probably that's probably the first buck I lost, and probably uh, I said seven years, but it may be longer than that. I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've lost a buck, so. I was pretty sick about it. Yeah. It happens to everybody, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. People that don't lose deer haven't shot at enough of them. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. When it, when it comes to bow, bow hunting, for sure, definitely. Yeah. Well, Colin, have you had any had any any experiences worth talking about? Uh, shot another pig, uh, and then I guess. Nothing too exciting. We'll kind of get more into it in a little bit with a guess, but just whenever it was really cold, I saw, you know, good activity. And the past two days, two or three days, it's been hot, and it's significantly slowed down for me uh, as far as what I'm seeing and other people are seeing and what's on my cameras and everything. So, Well, I had had a... a one, I mean, I, I have. You know, we're going to talk about the cold weather, and we're going to get Glenn to chime in on that conversation. Uh, I guess Glenn Peterson's going to be our guest, and y'all have heard Glenn on the podcast uh, a couple of times throughout the years, and and we value his opinion. And uh, he killed a nice, a nice mature deer yesterday or day before, and we're going to find out more about that and get his opinion on some of our submitted questions about the rut, and as well as talk a little bit about this this kind of extreme cold that we got right here at christmas which for christmas i say i love it being cold at christmas just for the festivities just enjoying the holiday but we don't get it that cold and especially that cold that fast um this time of the year occasionally at the end of january into february we might get that but um it's definitely not a year yearly thing that we get that so we're gonna talk about how that affected deer activity and what uh, everybody experienced and, and stuff like that but i had a pretty interesting encounter myself the thursday before christmas it was actually the day before the cold front came in if you recall it wasn't really cold that day it wasn't hot um and the wind blew out of the southwest as it was pushing that front and then thursday night it shifted out of the north and blew in that extreme cold just almost 
within hours, you know. But that evening, it was blowing out of the southwest, and if I recall, it was like in the 50s. It was comfortable. It wasn't cold, and it wasn't hot. It was just comfortable. And um, I, I had it in my mind that, you know, this might be a good afternoon with uh, the front coming to to make a hunt. And so I went into one of my better areas here at the house. And I actually have a stand set up in there for a north wind. It's the stand that I missed the deer out of a couple of weeks ago. And um, I went in there with a mobile set, and I actually got on the other side of this, this hardwood flat. On one side, on the, on the south side of this flat, is is the plantation pine thicket it's basically a ditch that runs along the edge of the pines and they didn't cut on the other side of the ditch and if you go across through the hardwoods on the back side of the hardwood flat is a swamp and it kind of starts with one big slough that runs east to west and everything from that slough and back is just is just ditches and and kind of thick swamp and it, and it creates a really cool flat hardwood flat and and there's a couple of trees down from from hurricane ida in there and it has made the deer travel through there pretty predictable because they kind of go around where some of those root balls and stuff and so the trails are pretty defined as they cut through that hardwood and um so it it actually sets up pretty well if you know on a north wind i'm i'm right on the ditch in my sense my my wind is being blown back into the pines, and I'm looking at the hardwoods. And so, in this afternoon, I went, uh, I slipped across there, and got up against the slough with the wind in my face. And uh, I thought I had a good plan, and apparently I did have a good plan. It just didn't come all the way to fruition. So I go in there right after lunch. I decided to go in there early and sit all afternoon. I go in there right after lunch. I take my mobile set. By the time I get in there, find a tree, I climb up in the tree, and I I hadn't been sitting there, I don't know, 15 minutes. And I hear something, and I look to my right, and there's a deer coming the exact, coming the exact same route as the deer I missed, but the opposite way. So it was coming from the direction the deer I shot at was headed. It was headed back on the same trail, the opposite direction. And I immediately recognized that it was a really big deer. It's a deer I've never seen before. I've never had a picture of. To be quite frank with you, I did not even know I had a deer that size on this property. Because I, you know, I have no clue. And this was a really nice deer for this area. And when I seen him, he was at 40 yards walking straight to me. And I get stood up and I get my bow. And I've never had this happen before. The trail I'm on is going to walk 15 yards in front of my stand. And it's pretty, It's these are thick hardwoods. These aren't wide open hardwoods. So I've, But I've got plenty of holes in there to make a shot if the deer passes by me. And the deer's walking straight to me. And it gets to about 25 yards and I can't shoot it where it's at because there's limbs in the way. And it's walking from the west to the east and I'm, you know, looking south. So east, so the west is to my right and it's walking right to left. And it gets to about 25 yards, and it just stops. And I hear something behind me, and it sounds like birds or a chipmunk or a squirrel or something right behind my tree. I hear it, and he hears it, and he just stops. And he's looking behind me. And I hear it rustling around back there, but it 
and it's not like drastic. It sounds like what you hear in the woods all the time. And during that time, out of my peripheral vision, I see these birds come. So it was apparently a couple of birds on the ground, you know, just rustling around making noise because I saw them fly off like underneath my feet. And he's standing there staring. And he's coming right down that trail right to me. And he stands there and he is so disturbed looking behind me that he just looks and looks and he stood there for like two or three minutes and then he finally, he wasn't spooked. He definitely didn't smell me or anything like that. The wind was in my face and he didn't act like he smelled me, but it was just that much noise. He just kind of turned and started walking south, just feeding. He had his head down, smelling, feeding, and going south. And he made a big, not really a loop, he pretty much walked straight in front of me to the south and towards the pines. And I really believe that it's just bad luck because I really, he was on a steady walk and he just checked, when he heard that noise, he just checked up and stopped and stood there and stared for all that time and it just kind of redirected him. And I, the only thing I can figure is he wasn't dead set on coming down that trail. He was just cruising through those hardwoods. And so he's just kind of going wherever, you know, wherever his, his intuition took him. And because he was, he had that look about him where he was smelling the ground and just moving along like he's looking for a doe or something. But I mean, I needed him to walk maybe five or six more yards before I had the first opening to get a shot at him. And I still haven't got, he was standing when he stopped, he was standing maybe five steps directly behind a trail camera facing the other way. And so. I almost got a picture of him, and then I almost got a shot of him, and he just disappeared. And I I don't know. It's like the whole thing is, is like a challenging thing to me in, in this regard. I don't hunt my cameras like I'm not a slave to my cameras at all. But I have a lot of cameras running on 400 acres, and I've been hunting this property long enough that I kind of know how the deer are. And I feel pretty good about the fact that from the summertime, especially up to this point in the season, I got a pretty good idea of what's on my property for the most part. I know that there's, you know, there's exceptions, but for the most part, I think I've got a pretty good idea of what's on my property. And so now I obviously have my sights on this deer because it's a really nice deer for my area. And and I have no idea if this deer is just, if he's there I don't know how, you know, if I, did I just happen to be in the right place at the right time when he was on a walkabout out of his home range and almost walked within 20 yards of me? Or is he just a deer that's old and smart and I don't ever get pictures of him and he's still there? You know, so I'm kind of like playing this game, this mental game where I want to hunt him and I kind of want to focus on him, but I don't really know how to hunt him. I've never seen him. I've never had his picture. And I've got two or three other shooters in that area that aren't him and so i don't know it kind of makes for an interesting last part of the season because i'm i'm real curious to see if i ever get a picture of him or if i you know you know maybe maybe i'm not going to get a picture of him but maybe he will be in that area i I don't know i'm i'm real interested to see how this plays out i'm betting he's a roamer yeah that's that's kind of like so from an from an odds perspective like when you think about like a big picture about it all it's kind of like what are the odds that this one deer 
it just ends up right in front of me. The you know the one day he's out roaming because a deer that's that big and that old don't do a ton of that. He may roam around once or twice during the rut, but he don't do it a lot, or he wouldn't be that big and that old. And so, like, I play in that middle game where it's like, I mean, is it, what's the greater odds? (laughs) What's the greater odds? Are the odds that I was in the tree that he almost walked within 15 yards of just randomly when he was out roaming? Or is it greater odds that he's old and smart and I just don't get pictures of him? You know, and this was just one of the days he daylighted. That's crazy. That's how it's every deer is completely different. I I heard a rumor a couple of years ago about a deer. It was up around the, on the Tensaw River, and maybe somebody that listens to this can chime in on this has actually heard this story. There was a deer that uh, I'm not going to specify exactly where it was, but he was. They were getting him along the river along Tensaw River at one location and literally like they would get his they would get his pictures there like maybe from you know August right up to the beginning of the season. And then by happens chance a guy two or three miles to the east or to the west, I don't remember which direction, but to the east or west, he would get pictures of him for a month or two. And then, like, right before the rut, a guy five miles down the river would get pictures of him. And this deer just made a huge, like, 10-mile loop. And they got pictures of him for, like, two or three seasons like that. And to my knowledge, that deer never got killed by anyone because I heard the deer was, was crowding 200 inches. I don't. I never saw a picture of him. I just... Heard heard story about it. It's crazy. It's pretty interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I I don't know, but I, hopefully I can report back to everybody uh, with uh, with a positive um, follow up to this. Whether it, whether that's me getting a shot at the deer or just learning more about him, getting to encounter him again. So uh, we're gonna go ahead, and we are going to bring Glenn into the conversation as we move forward. Glenn, are you there? Can you hear me? I am here. Glenn Peterson is going to join us as our esteemed returning guest on the podcast. This is like your second or third time, right? Yeah, I think so. I guess I guess we value your bullshit just that much. <laughs> Either that, or you just don't know very many people wanting to. <laughs> you didn't have to. You didn't have. You didn't have to bring up the obvious there. You know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, we um, we are a couple of things that we want to talk about that we kind of uh, led into before we before we brought you in here. But but the first thing is you killed a pretty nice buck the other day. I want to hear a little bit about that. Uh yeah, I got got lucky. Uh, so long story short, version. I, I I hadn't been able to go much with this Christmas holiday stuff going on. We know how it is, but young kids and all just hadn't and worked this cold weather you know me being in the HVAC business got me pretty busy with heater calls and all so we just couldn't find time to go anyway finally after Christmas uh day before day before yesterday morning I went I made my first morning hunt of the year I think uh 
So I uh, went to a place that uh, I've hunted annually, you know, had a lock on in a, in a hub area. I call it just a travel corridor. And got up my tree before 30 minutes before daylight, and I had a deer come through before daylight. Couldn't tell much about it. I'm pretty sure it was a buck, though, the way it acted. But So I uh, saw a spike come through right after daylight, and then uh, I guess about 8 o'clock, I, I didn't wear enough cold uh, clothes. It was cold. And I uh, had my hoodie on, which I'd never wear. I like to be able to hear. And uh had my hoodie over my head. I kept hearing a deer walking. I said, well, what? Surely, I, you know, I could see out in front of me where, the, you know, where I thought the deer would be coming from. I never saw it. I could hear it walking. Then I heard it even making a scrape. I said, well, that's, that's a deer making a scrape. Where in the world is it at? So I got to looking. Finally, I eased my head around, and it was like 25 yards behind me. Standing in a big old community scrape, which I didn't know was there because I hadn't been to this stand all year. And he was standing there, and when I moved, he saw me. He looked right up in that tree and saw me. And I'm 30, you know, right at 30 foot up in the tree. I said, You rascal. And we played, you know, the staring game for it seemed like 30 minutes, but it's probably a minute. And uh, he finally turned around and, and started to see it. He didn't scoop real bad. He just turned around and started easing off. And I could see he was a buck. He was a mature buck. I wanted to try to shoot, so I grabbed my bow and just tried to find a hole. I couldn't. I couldn't get a shot on him. Well, he eased off, and so that was the end of that hunt. Uh, fast forward to yesterday morning. I went back and got the same tree, and uh, and well, let me back up. When I got out out of my tree uh, the morning before that, I uh, I walked over to where he was at in a huge community scrape on the edge of a of a cutover. Uh, just, a, I mean, big as a truck hood. That, I mean, big as I've ever seen, you know, in my area. So, uh, and it just tore up. I said, well, <clears throat> I, uh, I actually peed in it myself, kind of a thing I do and, and left and went, went back, uh, yesterday morning before daylight and, and got in there and got ready and didn't see a deer, not a single deer till eight o'clock. And, uh, I heard a deer out in the cutover and sure enough, it was this buck. I'd had some history with him. Uh, come walking down the edge of a road, the edge of that cutover, and he comes straight to that scrape and uh, could not find a hole to shoot him through. And finally he turned. It was about, finally I got the shot on him about 35 yards and uh, I shot him. And uh, <laughs> my eyesight's getting so poor at my age, I guess. I even called a buddy of mine. I said, look, I shot a buck, but uh, that's got a dog. And I said, I, I may need your assistance. I, I, I think I hit this buck a little bit low and a little bit far back. He was quartered away a little bit, but I said, uh, I think I hit him too low. So I, I said, I'm going to give him an hour, and then I'll go check my air and let you know. So I gave it about an hour, finished my little thermos of uh, coffee I had, and got down and went and found my air, and then my air looked good. And uh, I saw where the deer kind of went over in a big bottom, about 75 yards from me, he crossed a big rotten log, and that was kind of my landmark last place I saw him. So I called him. I said, look, I'm going to go check, you know, see what the blood looks like, and I'll let you know one way or the other. And because uh, I didn't want to leave him hanging. So anyway, I walked over to the log, and sure enough, there was <laughs> there was long blood, you know, spewing out both sides. And I thought, he ain't, he ain't, he's, he's dead. So I, I called him. I said, look, I don't need the dog, but thank you. But anyway, of course, the deer ran in a great big old bottom, you know, big briar thicket and died. And uh, had to get him out of there by myself, which is uh, wasn't 
wasn't wasn't easy, but I got him. And uh, anyway, he was a nice deer. He was a, wasn't much the horns. He had really big brow tines, but he was an older deer. He was five plus. I saw him last year, and uh, and and almost got a shot of him last year. He was actually a little bit bigger last year, horn wise. And um, but uh, he, I was proud of him. He's a nice buck. He wasn't. He wasn't poking young or nothing, but he was, you know, had long brow times. He was a very mature deer. He was five plus. And like I said, I saw him last year, but the crazy thing about him was I don't have any pictures of that deer. I saw him last year about in January and never saw him before or after that. Then I saw him again yesterday morning, and I got cameras all over the place and don't have a single picture of him. He just showed up. I guess he just throws up there when they start getting a little frisky, I guess. Well, that so, that plays. I mean, that anyway. that's what we were talking about right before we brought you on. Is you know, I saw a deer, uh, and I had texted you that I had a a, a real good deer on me at, at about one thirty that Thursday before before yep. the Christmas weekend, and that's a deer that I've never seen or had a picture of. Really? Um, and now, could it be a deer that I've had pictures of in years before, and he's just bigger now? I don't know, but I can tell you I don't have anything with nearly as much horns on top of his head as that deer does on camera this year. Right. And I definitely ain't seen nothing with my eyes that had horns like that, you know, on this property. So that was kind of the that was the kind of the thing that I was I was saying, you know, at that time was it I'm I'm now playing this mental game is was I lucky enough to just be sitting in just the right spot when he got up and went on a roaming mission outside of his home area? Or is he there all the time and he's just older and smarter and I don't ever get pictures of him? You know, it's hard to, you don't ever know. And so I'm, I'm obviously he's got my attention and I want to hunt him, but I ain't really sure how to because I just, I, the only information I have is a five minute encounter last Thursday, you know? So yeah, one, one of the bucks I saw when it was cold was I didn't have him on camera at all. So it's that time of the year, I mean, man. I think they were definitely, yep, that's it. Well, that's one of the things that we wanted to uh, to talk about on this podcast, and we waited till we got you on so you could chime in on it and all your infinite wisdom, Glenn. And and more, it's really probably about more years of experience than it is infinite wisdom. But uh, that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we experienced all across the state a a a really cold front. To me, what what is kind of the most unique is timing because we don't get. I mean, I I know having young kids and and going through Santa Claus and celebrating Christmas pretty extensively at this time in my life, we've had more seventy degree Christmases than we have had forty degree Christmases over the last ten years, and every now and then it'll be cool. But we don't get twenty degrees and not getting out of uh, above freezing temperatures all day long for two straight days. We don't get that in December very often, and we definitely don't have a whole lot of opportunity where it's sixty five degrees on Thursday at noon and it's twenty five degrees on Friday at noon. That just doesn't happen that quickly. I mean, it literally the wind shifted out of the north Thursday night and it went from fifties to 20s in a matter of hours and it stayed that way for over 48 hours throughout most of the state and i want to talk a little bit about you know experiences with that i I can say for me 
I have, I, I, I was texting with you when I was hunting yesterday, Glenn, and I actually did end up seeing a deer, and it's the first deer of any kind that I have seen since it got cold, and it ain't cold anymore. Really? And it was a spike, so I don't even count that because those you see those just randomly, right? So, right. You know, for me, and I'm not just talking. I mean, I hunted in in that three day cold snap. I made three different hunts, and one of those hunts I sat from, I sat for like five hours. So I hunted most of the day, like from eight to two or something like that, eight to whatever, and. It's not just that. I, my camera activity went way, way down. Now, I have a few cameras over bait sites, and there were still some deer coming and eating corn at different times throughout the day. But as far as all the, the, the more observation cameras that are overlooking food plots or on trails in the woods, my camera activity went to nothing. And, and you know, typically, hmm. colder weather means increased deer activity, but in my experience, it didn't happen. So I'm curious to get all of your feedback on... Not only what you saw in any hunting you got to do during this period, but you know historically when we've had cold snaps like this, what is what what do you typically expect to experience? I think uh, I mean our deer in the south like this, they don't know how to react to when it gets that cold because they're not used to it, just like we're not. Yeah, and it's kind of a, they kind of get shell shocked. I, I don't. I think. Uh, a lot of your deer just just you know huddle up and get you know stay in, stay in their beds and, and don't travel much because they don't I don't think uh, that's that's my opinion anyway that's that's kind of what I've seen my camera shut down too I didn't see near as much activity as I thought I would. Uh, well, Colin, you you, you know, saw deer, you? right? Yeah, yeah. I was the complete opposite. So I hunted the three mornings that it was cold. Actually, I hunted the morning before it was cold, too. And when it was cold, I saw significantly more deer movement. But what, I mean, it was like clockwork. Every single morning, it was dead. And then as soon as that sun would peak out and start kind of warming everything up, they would all, that's when all the, the movement would start. And, I mean, it was like clockwork for me. As soon well, as that, that sun that... came out. They that, started moving around, and I, I just, that's kind of, I would think, you know, like, that, yeah, they'd be huddled up, but as soon as that sun comes out, they're going to get up and kind of move around. That's what I saw. Well, that I, what you just said is, from a historical perspective, uh, what I feel like I've learned deer hunting over the years is during cold temperatures, mid-morning is always better for that reason, you know, what you just said. when the When it's really cold... I almost always see that activity pick up when the sun gets up and you get that little, you start to get some of that warmth from the sun. But um, to me, what we just experienced was offset a little bit in the fact that it was so windy for those first two days that you couldn't even feel the sun. It was still just brutally cold. So I, yeah. I kind of tend to agree with Glenn because I've hunted a few days in the past where we, we actually got snow. And it's kind of a novelty thing to get to go hunt and see your, you know, your hunting spots that you're used to hunting and see the woods covered in snow. And that's kind of a novelty, but I've never had a ton of luck, honestly. It, it feels to me like I, I'm, I'm more along the same 
line of thought is Glenn is our deer don't know how to react to that, so they just kind of freeze up, like no pun intended, but they just they just kind of lock down and stay out of the wind, stay out of the cold, and just you know kind of bear it or kind of ride it out. So, yeah, I don't know. Levi, what'd you see in the swamp? Um, I saw. I saw some deer, but um, I, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat as you and Glenn. Um, one thing I, that I've I've hunted around temperatures like that a few times, and you know we tend to have a lot of water, can have a lot of water on our property. If you can, if you have any property that's laid out like ours, where you have a lot of water and it freezes like that for a couple of days, stay away from the frozen, from the ice, because yeah, those deer will walk up to that ice and just sit there and look at it and stare at it. And I saw eight point do it, uh, day before Christmas Eve. He, I was hunting where a kind of a slough fed into another slough. It was frozen. And, he was coming, he's on the other side of it, coming towards me. He got to the edge of that thing, looked at it, and turned around and went right back to where he came from. And that's not the first time I've ever seen that. So hmm. He probably didn't know what it was. <clears throat> you got to think yeah, about a deer. Just say say yeah. he's you know, a two-and-a-half-year-old buck. He's probably never seen ice like that before in his lifetime. So he's probably like, what yeah. the heck is this? <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm going back exactly. home, go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, my buddy that yeah. I... My buddy that I hunt with uh, on this property uh, at my house, I mean, it, it's 400 acres, and, and probably 100 of it is about six-year-old plantation pine. So, you know, it's thick. The The, the pines are thick. We do have hardwoods uh, along the swampy area in the back and along a couple of creek bottoms. But he made the comment with the with not just the cold but the wind – you know, the sustained 12, 13, 15-mile-an-hour winds and the cold, he felt like the deer got in the – because our, our, you know, a lot of these cameras that we're talking about, we obviously don't bust up into those pines. You know, we have food plots and we have roads through the pines, and so I've got some cameras on those food plots and stuff and, and stuff like that, but a lot of the cameras in terms of any travel route or observation kind of places is – that's kind of how we bow hunt is we hunt along those transition lines and the edge of those hardwoods and and all that kind of stuff and that activity went away and he's like you know i think these deer are held up in the pines because the pines offer I, them yeah. a break from the wind you know that Thermal cover. yeah yeah and i guess that makes a lot of sense because the the little bit of activity in terms of camera i didn't see any activity from the stand but he did he hunted um a food plot in the middle of those pines one of those days and saw like 11 deer come out in the food plot right before dark you know and we don't ever see that many deer in a food plot so that kind of tells you they're you know and that's what he was like man i think they're just bedded up in these pines they're 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 probably close to these plots where they can get up and go out and eat and get right back in that cover and stay out of the wind you know makes sense I, i don't know um I do know this, um, just by judging by, I guess everybody's um, baseline of judgment nowadays is is in some way centered around social media, and for us, you know, a lot, as far as Louisiana bow hunter goes, 
uh, people that follow and and contribute on our community page and all that there's definitely been a lot of big deer getting killed in in the last three or four days i think the rut it's safe to say is is happening in different phases you know just absolutely we're in that time of the year so what we did for this episode is we uh we put a question out on on our social media asking people to uh to chime in on some topics and questions they have about the rut so we can give you our worthless opinions about it so i'm gonna um i'm gonna turn this part of the podcast over to colin and let him narrate our questions and then we're gonna let glenn's uh years and years and wealth of experience just (laughs) flow um and he's gonna give you all the answers to kill a big buck during the rut uh all right so the first one is just how far will a buck travel during the rut these are these are questions from our listeners and the community so how far will a buck travel during the rut and one of the ones i saw on that cold morning i have him on two cameras and i I just mapped it out on onyx and i and it was like 900 yards and i know obviously they'll they'll go much further but that was just the most recent example for me the same deer 900 yards away on the same morning okay all right glenn i'm gonna let you and levi comment first and then i'll i'll follow up on these questions so glenn you go first how how far will a deer travel a buck travel during the rut that's the question yep okay so in my opinion that has a lot to do with your buck doe ratio for one thing you know you got a you got a buck that that's got plenty does to, to choose from his his he's probably going to stay in his core area that he knows because he didn't he doesn't have to travel very far in other words he can you know once he gets through one one doe and gets her bread he's on to the next but he might not have to go you know three four five hundred yards as a crow flies to find him another whereas if you get a buck that's got you know where the ratio is a lot different and uh, and there's not very many does to choose from, then he's got to do a whole lot more traveling, you know, to try to find him another. And those are the ones that you see, you know, that, uh, you know, that you've never seen before or whatever. And, you know, that's the old saying, you know, you never know what you're going to see in the rut, which, and that's the case, you know, that's what happens. You get a buck that, you know, it's not a lot of does in his core area. He's got to travel out of it. And, uh, I mean, I've seen them, I've, I've, I've killed a deer before or, or had deer, you know, being killed that I thought, you know, were, were their core areas on, on places I could hunt. And they get killed, you know, and this is in mostly southwest Mississippi. They get killed, you know, a mile and a half, two miles down the road somewhere. And uh, so, like I said, I think that has a lot to do with the buck-doe ratio. Uh, but, I mean, I, and I think it also has to do with the buck's personality. You know, some of them are just travelers, just like people. You know, I've seen them where um, they'll travel a lot further. Now, let me say this. In my opinion, I think the the, the older bucks, I don't think they travel like the, you know, the two and a half, three-year-old deer do. I think they'll travel further. The ones that, the older, the older they get, the more they turn into homebodies, in my opinion. So... 
I hope you have somewhat of an answer anyway. What's your take on it, Levi? Well, I wish you'd have asked me first because Glenn pretty much just answered that question the same exact way I would have. <laughs> me too, for the most I can't part. Really add, my, my bad. I my can't bad. really add anything to, to what he said because I, I was like, all right, well, he the buck to dough ratio, I absolutely agree with that. And I was like, okay, he's done. I can add in that every buck's different. And then he goes off on that tangent. So it's <laughs> <laughs> like. We may should have talked before we uh, we answered that question. (laughs) (laughs) I think that I think that you know for somebody that's listening and they're trying to they're trying to correlate or look for things in their in their personal situation, um, you know through a broad broad reaching opinion like that is is to me you got to look at your deer herd and because I agree with everything that, that Glenn said, that's, that is also the way I, I think I would answer that question as well. And I, I think if you're trying to figure it out for yourself, you just got to look really hard at, at, uh, your deer herd situation. You know, I mean, it, 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 it it's kind of, you know, there's always that, you know, there's always that crazy guy in high school that will just do anything. And I think, it's the same thing with deer. There's just that one crazy deer that just does something different from all the rest of them. But by and large, you know, it, it, you can just apply logic to it. If they've got a lot of does to breed in their home area, they don't have a lot of reason to roam. And if they get old, they don't have as much drive and testosterone and willingness to go out and fight and compete, which they're going to inevitably have to do if they start getting into other deer's home areas. So all of those things apply if you've got an old age structure, you probably got a lot of home bodies. If you got a lot of does, you probably got a lot of home bodies. If you don't, you might be hunting your neighbor's deer during the rut, you know? <laughs> Just, it's, uh. Well, for, for an example, uh, the, 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 the buck I shot yesterday morning, like I said, I've got cameras all over the place in that area. And, we're, and the, where I killed this deer at, we don't hardly shoot any does at all. It's kind of one of those areas that's, you know, hey, this, this is a buck only area. We're not, we're not going there to shoot no does. So there is a lot of does in there. Uh, and I think that was, I don't think that buck core area is, on, you know, in that area. I think because I don't have any pictures of him anywhere else. And like mm-hmm. I said, I saw him during the rut last year one time. And, uh, and then, matter of fact, it was after I had killed a buck last year uh in first of january and i was looking at him dead laying in a, in a creek bottom and this buck come through and i'd never seen him before and uh one of my neighbors i'm pretty sure it's the same deer because he said well he told me it was 100 percent sure that he missed that deer with a rifle last year one of my neighbors did and uh because he described him to me i said well, i saw that deer and uh and then i sent him a picture of of the one I killed yesterday, he said, "Yeah, that's the one I missed last year." He said, "But I had—I don't have any pictures of him this year." Mm. I said, "Well, neither did I, but he's—he's he's dead now. Yep. So I can send you a dead picture of him. That's all I, well, you all know, I got." One thing that I think is interesting, and this is, um, you know, just in talking about the the travel behaviors and and, and everything is. I believe this to be true, and it's kind of another complicating factor to to my situation with with this deer that i saw and whether or not this deer is 
is in his home range or if he was just a roamer that I happened to encounter. You know, it's funny how even deer that are roaming, they find themselves in the same travel patterns as local deer when they get in your area. It's they. It's like it's they all. It's like they all interpret the landscape the same way. Or, or maybe it's a scent thing where they can smell and they're they're just following those same paths. But I, I know, you know, for myself in, in previous experience, and, and maybe it's an obvious thing to say, but, you know, even when I do see deer that I'm pretty sure are out roaming and they're not deer that stay in that area, they're using the exact same travel patterns as the local deer. And so whatever those reasons are, uh, I always find that to be, you know, if you're hunting a situation where, you know, you expect your neighbor's deer to show up on your property, I say you still hunt them the same way. They're probably going to use the same pinches, the same funnels, and the same trails, you know, in my experience. So, all right, Colin, let's move on to number two. All right. uh, How much do you think weather affects rut timing, and will it slow down the start of the rut? Oh, my God. Glenn, have at it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, weather, like, okay, for example, this hot weather we got now, we went through the cool snap and all that. Now we have this hot weather, and I've been having people ask me this the last few days, what do you think this warm weather is going to do to them? I think they're still going to rut, but it's just mostly going to be at night. You know, I think – I don't, I don't think cold weather makes does come in heat. You know, I mean, I, look, I'm not a biologist. I don't know that for a fact. It's just kind of my opinion. Uh, so I don't know that it, it – well, let me say this. It'll affect what we see because, you know, when you get those cooler days, there the deer will be on their foot feet more, even though it kind of contradicts what we said earlier. But when it gets that cold, it's a different ball game. But – uh, when you have just, you know, normally nice, you know, 40 degree days and all the deer are going to be on their feet better. So you're going to see, you're going to see the rut better in the daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it gets warm like this, most of the rut is going to be at night, you know. So that's, that's my opinion on that. That's how the weather affects it. I don't think it affects it. I don't think it, you know, I don't think weather makes the does come in or not you know uh i don't i've never so i agree with you in that everything i've ever learned or i say studied i, I use that word kind of loosely because i'm not i'm not trying to to pose as though I've studied this in depth, but just in the podcast conversations I've had with biologists and the different studies that I've read up on and things like that, there's there's this, you know, all of this, this scientific evidence about uh, the moon phases and the amount of light, you know, during the day and the sunrise and sunset timing and all that having the most, uh, the most effect on on that. And and so I don't think that the weather does, but I one thing that I question about it, because I've seen in this year, you know, Colin and I go to Kansas and it was, you know, definitely 
you know, the rut activity was way down and it wasn't, the weather was, was hot and it, and it wasn't just that we weren't seeing it. It wasn't happening. You know, the, all the other signs weren't there. And, um, so I wonder if there is a correlation to, I'm going to use an extremely, extremely strange analogy here. You know how when you let your dog out in the yard, he's got to run around and get moving to work up a shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Follow me? So, in a weird way, I wonder if it's not so much the actual weather, the temperature, but the fact that during that time of the year, if just increased activity simply gets, you know, the estrus cycle ramped up. In other words, if it's hot and the, and that just take one doe as an example, look, I mean, look at anything from the perspective of one deer, try to analyze one deer's life. If that one doe is living an extremely lazy and 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 slow life because it's hot, she's not moving around a whole lot, she's got a real predictable short pattern of movement to feed and bed and she's not very active then maybe her body her metabolism and all of those things are playing a factor in the fact that she's just not you know her body's not getting going and then you get that cold weather to come in and now all of a sudden she's on her feet for hours more a day she's traveling further for food and et cetera and et cetera maybe that gets the system going so to speak if that makes any sense because i think we've had enough conversations on this podcast alone about how the logical approach to this whole thing is if they're in the middle of the rut and the weather is cold, you're going to see the rut more just simply because the deer move more. You know, that just, uh, that's just two plus two equals four. That just is just logical. Right. right. But when you're, when you're talking literally about does coming into estrus and stuff like that, well, it's just, you know, to me, I question, if the deer are just more active, is does, is that not increasing everything in their, you know, in their 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 day to day life? And that includes, you know, if she's up and she's moving around earlier in the afternoon, middle of the morning, throughout the night, she's, you know, interacting with more deer, and her body and her metabolism is sped up, and everything is just moving in motion. I just want, I don't know. There's no science behind that that I'm aware of, but I just wonder if, if that doesn't play a, a factor. Very well could be, could be on to something. That, that, that makes sense. I mean, like, like I said, the more she moved, the more her, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, the more her juices are flowing, you know, yeah. so maybe it gets her cycles, you know, going. So, uh, I mean, people work, work like Might that, be on the you know. Well, absolutely. I mean, the more yeah. the more that you exercise, the more energy you have, you know, throughout your day-to-day right. life. True. You know, the more you interact. I don't do with, a lot of exercising, so I wouldn't know. Well, but you work on air conditioners. <laughs> 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 you know, you take a week's vacation and you lay around. It doesn't take but a couple of days before everything in your day-to-day life gets slower and lazier because everything oh, I, slows I, down. I agree with that. Everything yep. slows down. So the more you're up interacting with other people and everything in your life is is moving at a, you know, a, I don't say a faster pace, but you're just you're just uh, just a more active person in general, then it, 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 it plays into every part of your life. So I don't know. I just wonder. Levi, do you have a comment or are you just going to – you just listening and getting educated over there? 
I'm just getting the education. <laughs> education. Yeah. Education. Uh, no, I, I kind of pretty much agree with everything y'all said. I, I think, I guess I'm kind of a believer that the rut is based off of somehow or another in a deer's being of, of the photo period of how much daylight is. I don't know how it all works. I'm I'm not a biologist either, but I think the deer pretty much are going to breed around the same time every year now is a particular doe going to go into the cycle the same day every year. I don't know. I wouldn't think so, but who's to say she goes in cycle? She may not get bred for a couple of days. So I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, if the weather's cold, you're going to see good rut activity. Uh, and one thing I, I am kind of a believer in, um, and I heard <clears throat> Mark Drury say this, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who Mark Drury is, but um, I grew up watching all his, his DVDs, and one thing that he always used to talk about was uh, those, um, if you get a consistent uh, several days of cold weather. I always kind of picked up from him that he doesn't really like stagnant weather. If it's real cold for or something like that, one thing that I've always heard him say before, like if you got five or six days with a north wind blowing, he's always preached is the first south wind day after a bunch of norse are always really good and that kind of stood true with right there around christmas or leading up right after christmas you know it was really cold there for a couple days that first day that that wind swapped out of the south that was maybe the most activity i've seen this year was that day so that's kind of what maybe where I vary in opinion a little bit on that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I could I'd, I'd agree with that. My my camera picked up you know, yesterday and the day before when we had that really cold weather, like I said that the deer just didn't move a lot from what I saw. And then the last but the last two days they picked up. But then today when it got extremely hot, I took my little boy to see and I went behind my mom and daddy's house which you know, we got some, we got some big old huge ragrass fields. Where, you know, on a cold day, you're gonna see some deer. <laughs> we didn't see a deer. I mean, zero. So I don't know. And it was warm this evening. I was like, I just knew they were gonna get, you know, walk out. And he was asking me, Dad, when they come, when they come out, anytime now, son, anytime. But <laughs> they, they never showed up. You know, so yeah. uh, they they absolutely shut down this afternoon. I think today, and I don't know about the whole state, but you know, in our part of the world, uh, I all I never have. It doesn't seem like I ever have much luck when it's humid and real low pressure. And it was right. you could feel that low pressure and humidity bringing that rain that's coming later tonight. You could feel that throughout the day today. And I thought to myself about two o'clock this afternoon, I was like, I am not even trying to go hunting because I just don't, I, I just do not, 
historically, not that I take detailed notes and journal about everything, but just in my recollection, I, I don't have great experience hunting in humid, low-pressure weather. And it doesn't matter if it's really warm or even when it's still a little bit cool, but it's got that 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 warm humidity kind of coming in. Typically, I agree 100% that any weather change is a good thing on some level. Weather changes are, are always good, but in that case, that's a weather change that I hardly ever hunt because I just, I, I don't have any luck in that. I, I feel like it shuts deer down. At least, at least it pushes them into, into nocturnal, if anything. So, I don't know. All right, Colin, let's yeah. move on to the next. When are deer most active during the rut? Levi, you go first. I'm assuming this is like time of day. I don't know yeah. if time of day or if they're talking about phase. Um, I'll talk briefly on phase and then I'll say my short and sweet opinion on time of day. Uh, phase of rut. My absolute favorite time is pre-rut, right before they really get going. I think that's when you will probably see your best mature deer activity from what I've seen. On our place, you know, they're rutting right now. Normally, second week in December is a really good time to hunt. I don't think the does are quite but we do see a lot of mature deer that time of year. Uh, so pre-ruts, absolute favorite, 100%. Um, time of day is, if the rut is going on, you better have your butt in the stand because nobody is going to predict that. It may be right at daylight. It may be at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock. It, you never know. If they're up chasing does and the deer are moving, you need to be hunting, period. So, I know that may be a terrible answer, but that's yeah, I, that's where I mean, I'm at. I, I would agree. Yeah. Glenn, what do you think? I mean, I, I'm, I'll piggyback off of, off of him. That's, uh, so, pre-rut also uh, gets my vote. Like that. We, we're kind of, well... I'm not saying some of the does hadn't come in yet, but I hadn't seen it strong yet in my area yet. It's normally about now when it starts. Uh, but I, I like the pre-rut because, uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I love hunting scrapes. You know, I love it. Like the deer I killed yesterday was on a big community scrape and, and I make a lot of mock scrapes and all, but, uh, that's kind of my thing. But, Oh, uh, and that's when I find they're the most active on those scrapes, right? Before the does come in, they're coming to check those scrapes daily. And especially if you get some, if you get a rain, you know, they're going to come back and freshen those scrapes up. So pre-rut, 100% is my favorite time, you know. Even even when I go to the Midwest every year, everybody's like, man, you don't, I usually go right before the rut normally kicks in because as an archery hunter, you know, during the rut, when the actual rut, it's tougher to get a shot. Even though, yeah, you may see more activity, you know, the chasing and all that, but trying to get a shot at one is a whole different ballgame. 
trying to get one to old steel where you can get an area. Yeah. So I like free run. That's that's my, you know, in the Midwest and here at home, that's my favorite time to hunt them. And uh, as far as time of day, if somebody pinned me down and said, okay, you can only hunt three hours a day, it would be uh, kind of like what he was talking about earlier about the, uh, you know, when that sun comes out, you get a good cool day as soon as that sun comes out from about 8 to 11. Mm-hmm. That's when I've had my best luck during yeah. the rut. That's, you know, yeah. I just that's just my personal opinion when yeah. I've had good luck. But like, it's like, you know, uh, like you said, you, any time of the, you better be in the tree all day if you can, you know. Yeah. But uh, my preference would be from 8 to 11. Colin, what were you going to say? Cold, uh, sunshiny, mm-hmm. bluebird day. Yep. And I would, if you, that's a good point. If I had to pick times, it would be late morning. I've I've killed more mature deer late morning than any other time, you know, in that pre-rut to rut phase. So, Colin, yeah. what were you about uh, to say? I, I, I was just... I mean, I agree with everything, and I was just going to say, me personally, I've I've seen more activity during this time of the year in in the mornings versus the evenings. Yeah, the sheer like deer numbers. I mean, I, I, obviously, you know, it can can go down whenever, but I've, I've definitely seen more deer in the mornings this time of the year. Yep, I agree with everything that everyone has said, and I was actually. Before Glenn even said it, I was thinking to myself, eight to eleven. You know, uh, that for 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 this you know specific period that we're talking about. Um, I would also like to add, however, that it's a whole lot harder to predict, but there's also and and it's a more defined, smaller period of time. But there is there's a post rut period that can be just as good when your deer are searching for the 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 last doe when you get towards the end of it and there's not as many does the problem with that is it's just really hard i think pre-rut is a fun time to hunt because whether you're hunting older class or size class deer or whatever it's always more fun to see bucks even small bucks you know that's just it's fun to to see deer up on their feet and see bucks moving around and pre-rut is usually a much bigger, more loosely defined time where those deer start to separate out of bachelor groups and they start moving around everywhere. And at any time, it could be the deer you're hunting, you know. And, and I, I just think as hunters, when you're sitting there, even seeing small bucks, it gives you more hope and confidence to sit there because the next buck you see might be the buck you're after or the caliber buck you're after. And, and but, and like I said, with that being said, it's just so much harder to figure it out and I think it's an hour's time logged in the stand or days in the stand kind of thing. But I think that there's an equal period of time at at the end, towards the tail end of the rut, where the deer act pretty much the same way, maybe even more. I think that's probably where, going back to some of our previous conversations, that's probably where the older deer do get out and roam. Um more than than early on in the rut if you can figure out when that is but that's going to be 
it's gonna be again that goes back to your deer herd and your your deer density and all that good luck so. good luck figuring that out during in the south no doubt <laughs> no i mean sometimes it, it's hard to even tell when the rut begins at all and then sometimes you think it's over and then it's wide ass open again the next day and and you know it's just all over the place but all right colin moving on yep two uh two quick ones left uh how long do bucks run together well i'll say this i've read that as soon as a buck loses its velvet that its hormonal situation starts to change and the bucks basically i've heard that that you know as soon as their velvet comes off their testosterone ramps up and they're pretty much waiting on the does and i think the amount of time they stay in a bachelor group or hang out with another buck has to do with their maturity level and maybe even the amount of deer that they share their area with that's my opinion i don't think uh, I think that could be different for for anywhere you go, and, it, and it just and also the deer. Because I, th- I, I know personally myself, I see two you know little young one and two year old bucks staying together sometimes for all the way you know into December, and I hardly ever see a mature buck with another. Now we've uh, we've heard these conversations before about a mature buck kind of hanging around with a little young year-and-a-half-year-old spike or something. I'm not really referring to that. A mature buck, I don't ever see a mature buck with another rack buck out of mid-October, personally. I don't know what y'all's experience is with that. but Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. I mean, it's obviously different here versus in the Midwest, but, I mean, I've seen – bachelor groups you know with three and four bucks you know through through november hang out together hit food plots in the evenings and stuff like that um but yeah then it kind of just i just think that it's kind of like you said we you know once they shed their velvet they they kind of start it kind of starts to change well i think down here that's kind of plays into why like in like November, if if we get a cold front or a little, you know, cool spell, you'll see those scrapes pop up and stuff like. That. I mean, the does are not ready yet, and I just think that all kind of correlates together. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Glenn? Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Uh... I'm thinking, you know, like I said, mostly from what I could see, when they, like I said, when they lose their velvet, that's when they start splitting off. You know, again, there's there's different personalities. I've I've actually seen, you know, fairly mature bucks hang together all the way all the way up to the rut. You know, uh, but once that first doe comes in, you know, then all bets are off. Then then they they ain't ponding no more. But uh, you know, for the most part, yeah, when they lose that velvet. They turn into a different animal, and, and they normally start, you know, dispersing and splitting up and finding their own little core areas. Then, you know, from uh, from my experience, that's kind of what I'd say. I'd say, you know, if I had to, yeah, when they lose the velvet, that's when they start splitting off. So, okay, that's my answer. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I think that it's, it's, 
I think if we could if we could study it, we would find that it just is another one of those things that's a very individualistic type deal and kind of coincides with a lot of other deer behavior that varies from one area to the other and that might have to do with geography or deer density or uh, those kind of factors uh, I think play age structure you know how many mature bucks are in the landscape in that area yeah and then, and then you know or is it a heavily pressured area where the age structure is is young and it's just a whole bunch of young deer and they don't even really know how to act because there's not very many of them that have been there and done that you know so i, I don't yeah. know i think all yeah. those things are factors all right let's go to the last question and then the last one is it's kind of a funny one uh why don't our deer act like deer in the rest of the country <laughs> I got a I got a direct answer. I have I have yeah, got a coon, they got a, we got a coon ass in every other tree. That's, <laughs> that's right. exactly yeah. my answer. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say because our pressure yeah. is not like anything in the rest of the country, and our weather is not like anything in the rest of the country. That's my answers. Yeah, I I, I think a more <laughs> I, I I guess maybe a more drilled down um, approach to the to to more or less the same thing that that glenn said is that we have more days of opportunity than pretty much and i say we as a collection of southern states obviously mississippi and louisiana and alabama and i guess maybe even texas and uh, you know southern states in general we, we all have a very similar season but when you look at some other very popular white-tailed deer hunting states like Missouri, for example. Missouri has a 10-day rifle season. Illinois doesn't even have a rifle season. Kansas has like a two-week rifle season, and it's well past their rut into December. And Kentucky has a 10-day. And so, you know, you can compare that to us. We start hunting with firearms in the middle of November – and that goes all the way until the middle of, of January. You know, so it's it's just exponential. in some areas. Yeah, in some areas even more. So it's just, and, and you know, I being where I'm at in the state, and, and, and also the fact that I'm from the state of Mississippi, so I obviously have family and friends, and I still hunt in Mississippi a lot. I live 10 to 15 miles and Glenn, Glenn's the exact same scenario as me. He has property in Mississippi. He lives right down the road from me. Between Glenn and I, we can kill, what, is it like six or seven bucks and six or seven does a year legally? Yep. You know, and oh, yeah. there's very few people, unless they have the time and money to travel to a bunch of different states and, and, and honestly do a whole lot more than the average person that that you know realistically have that opportunity and 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 that is happening all across the south and i'm not i'm not i'm not talking it down in saying that i'm just answering the question you know very directly in that we simply put way more pressure in days of opportunity in bag limits tags whatever you want to call that and we i would venture to guess that as a general population there's more people that would identify as year to year 
you know, active participants in deer hunting than in other states. And, yep. you know, and you, you, you take this, there's people that would say otherwise because if I hurt your feelings when I say this, I'm sorry, but there's people who would try to, some people, for some reason, they, they, they get off on, on this idea that they're a, you know, a meat hunter or, you know, they don't care about, like, for some reason, that's a badge of honor for some people. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, if I go hunting, I'm, I'm willing to take what's given me, but you're fooling yourself if you want to try to say that everybody doesn't go hunting and hope that a big buck steps out. Everybody's thinking that, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of the game. And, and it doesn't mean that you pass other opportunities, but, but in that regard, we all go hunting. The ultimate prize is a big buck. Everybody's got it in the back of their mind in some capacity. So if you hunted in an area where you were only allowed to kill one buck, maybe one buck and one doe a year, and your hunting season lasted, you know, maybe two months between archery and a very limited firearm, and you could easily kill a small buck pretty much any day you wanted to because you you know you live in one of these areas where it's a lot of open country and the deer are very visible and you're able to hunt with a high-powered rifle you would probably be more selective and take the bigger deer given the choice you would take the bigger deer most people would and they do and that's why people don't get in their truck and drive 14 hours to shoot a two-year-old eight point and a guy who lives on a farm in iowa isn't going to shoot the first two-year-old eight point when he's only got one buck tag and he knows that all he's got to do is sit there a little bit longer and he's going to kill a much bigger deer. So the age structure is bigger. The deer pressure is less. And you go hunting. I've hunted a lot in Missouri in areas where they have a pretty, I mean, Missouri gets hunted pretty hard for what it is. And I think Missouri is the best example um, when, when you have this conversation. And here's why. Iowa's not a good example. Kansas is not a good example because they're draw states, first of all. They don't they don't give out as many tags. They're one deer states for most people that do get, get a license in tags. And their hunting pressure is, is more controlled. Missouri, the only thing they got going for them in this whole regard is that they have a short firearm season. Other than that, they're over-the-counter. It's extremely affordable. Their rifle season coincides with the rut, and because of that, a lot of deer get killed. Yet every year, it's completely different there in November than it is here during the rut. And to me, it's because even though they get absolutely hammered, they only get hammered for about two weeks, and then it's over, and people stop thinking about them. Kentucky is the exact same. You know, so to me, that's the perfect scenario to, 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 to outline within this question is here you've got a place where road hunting is rampant, people shooting deer with a rifle, and just absolutely raining down holy hell on these deer for 10 days. But once they're done, it's over, and the deer have the rest of the year. And come the next season, it's like they've never seen a human before. They, you know, I would even go as to say in some of the places I've had experience in Missouri, they actually get more pressure in those 10 days than we give deer at any time here. But the difference is our deer cope with it pretty much all year in some capacity we hunt them for six months we're on the landscape all the time it's a different culture and it's just it it creates a different animal and i think years of evolution have just created a different we're hunting a different deer that's my opinion 
Yep. I agree, I agree with that. The mid, Midwest deer are just, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they're not as smart. This, I mean, they're the same deer. But, like you said, a two-week gun season compared to a three-month gun season that we have is a whole different ballgame. Yep. And it just, that, that's the bottom yeah. line. You know, they just, they don't get, they don't. I mean, look, where I live right here on this river system that I live on, there ain't a square acre nowhere that doesn't have a feeder <laughs> in a box van. You know, people hunting everywhere. You know, used to have, you'd have, you know, a few little spots here and there that's maybe a little sanctuary. Not anymore. If, there, if, there's, if there's a deer on it, somebody's hunting. I promise. I live, and, uh, I live, what, Glenn, five or six miles from you? Probably something like that. Yeah, yeah, five uh, miles through the woods. Yeah, I live about that far from Glenn, and I will stand. And I live out in the country, and I, you know, I mean, I live enough out in the country that I hunt in my backyard, and I hunt four hundred acres less than a, a mile from my house. And there's hunting clubs all around me. And I was standing out in my driveway on a conference call this afternoon on a terrible weather day. We've already talked about how this warm weather slowed things down and all that kind of stuff. And on a terrible weather day. Between 3 o'clock and about 4.30 or 5 o'clock, standing in my driveway talking on a conference call, I heard five rifle shots. Five. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you you can pull up uh, Google Earth and just comb the area you're around, and you can just see food plots everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, all in the woods. You can see them everywhere. I think it was most, I think it was most eloquently put right out of the gate. When Glenn said, "There's a coon ass in every other tree," yeah, we should just end it right there. <laughs> a, a, a hungry coon ass at that. Absolutely, because everybody's been telling you down this way. Oh, I got to fill my freezer. I need five deer to fill my. Look, I got a big family, and we eat deer meat at least once a week, if not twice. Five deer last me all year. I promise you. I mean, I don't know what these people eat, but I, I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> But I mean, uh, I mean, I, I just don't understand it. You know, I I, I I love that that thing. Oh, I gotta have five deer feed my, you know, fill my freezer every year. Oh well, maybe so. But uh, I, I feel like everybody had that mentality. <laughs> we ain't got nothing left to hunt. <laughs> well, I, I feel like uh, I, I've heard that my whole life too, and I, I feel like people that people that that go through that much deer meat, they, they cook for large groups of people multiple times throughout the year because I, yeah, maybe, maybe so. I don't know <laughs> because I, I'm like, man, uh, my wife eats not, th- th- I mean, this is, she's not on her current diet, but last year, the entire year, my wife eats one pound of ground deer meat every day. It's part of her, whatever she counts her macros and and whatever and so out of 365 days in the year i'll be i'll be i'll be very conservative and say that maybe 50 of those days she eats chicken or fish or breaks her diet maybe 65 of those days but right close to that many she eats she cooks a one pound package of ground deer meat and and she might split that maybe, you know, from time to time, she may split that and eat on that for two days. 
And then that's not counting my two teenage boys that, you know, eat two or three pounds at a time when we make spaghetti or burgers or whatever. <laughs> and I'm with you. Yeah, if I make, if I, if I put five deer in the freezer, we're good. Now that's not to say we're overflowing and handing out to all the neighbors. I mean, we're going to eat all that, but I say we yeah. eat a lot of deer meat too. And, um, I would say that, uh, if you're eating, if you're running out of deer meat before October every year and you've put five plus deer in the freezer, you're cooking some pretty big meals for some pretty big people multiple times throughout the year. Cause you can make it go a long right. ways. Anyway, we divulge into that, but, um, <laughs> we, we lost Levi. He's, he was driving. I'm sure you could hear the road noise and all that. He was driving and, um, he kind of lost service, but, uh, we're, we're going to wrap it up without him, but, um, I just wanted to kind of end it. I don't know it. if y'all heard it or not. Go ahead. I'm sitting in, in, I'm sitting behind my house right now on my phone in my truck. You're probably going to hear it because I rolled my window down. I had a pack of coats. I no did. more than 40 yards from my truck house. I heard it. So I just, you're probably going to hear that on the podcast. I, I did hear it while ago. I just I didn't know it was yeah. coats, but I did hear it. Well, Yeah. That's what my dog started barking. My squirrel dog was barking. I I rolled my window down in them coaches right here in the mm. pasture hollering at him, I guess. So they always out here. Well, you need to, you need to eat anyway, one of them. I, I apologize. You need to shoot one no, of them and I eat it. So. Oh, that's all these guys out oh, west. Well, you know, all these guys out west that are ultra whatever you call it, they eat everything they kill. You know, they got recipes for coyote and wolf and all kind of stuff. Hey, hey. God bless them. I bet it tastes good. I'm a, not. It tastes good in a roux. Yeah, Colin. it might taste better. It might taste better in a roof. I'm not good. In a brown gravy or something, but I don't know. That's uh, uh got to get pretty I'm bad. With deer meat. Got to get pretty bad for you to go down I'm that road. <laughs> All right, I, I, I just I slammed a I slammed a deer cheeseburger right before I got it on the podcast. There you go. I I was <laughs> I was cooking frying up tenderloin right before we got on this podcast. So, um. Yeah. All right, I wanted to wrap it up. It, it is so. This is our New Year's edition. You know, we'll be releasing this going into the New Year holiday weekend, and by the time you hear from us again, we'll be in January. And Glenn, you have the esteemed honor of uh, me getting to ask you what your New Year's resolution is since since it's that time of the year. Do you have a resolution for the no, New Year? That's, I don't really. You know, uh, I, I'm trying to get myself in a little better shape. You know, I had another birthday a couple weeks ago and i'm man look i'm getting old i mean my i just i have got to get myself back in the gym you know i stayed in the gym for all those years and then you know how it is you, you get married you get content and you just uh you know you kind of let yourself go and uh i mean i'm like i, I don't even like i i'll turn my head when i'll see myself in the mirror you know it's like <laughs> my god what has happened to you so I have made a, you know, of course I I belong to a gym, but I I uh I am going to get myself back in the gym. So that is my resolution, uh, resolution I guess you'd say, uh, is to get myself in a little better shape. Uh, well, you know, that's uh, I I I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to uh, correlate your your resolution into a hunting podcast conversation uh, of sort in that. I've been pretty lazy this year, and I 
and I'm not, I, I, I was, was working out in much better shape earlier in the year and, and traditionally throughout my life. And I've, I have not really kept up with my dieting and exercise the way that I, that I, I usually do this year. And I've noticed it's made sleeping in and not hunting a lot easier because I'm just tired all the time. And like, I don't have a, I mean, I have a stressful job in terms of, you know, just getting the job done and stuff like that, but I don't have a physically demanding job at all. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said, especially we're talking about bow hunting right now. I mean, I'm not talking about deer camp lifestyle where, you know, you, you, you set your stands up well in advance to be real comfortable and easy to get in. I'm talking about us that are going out there with a bow and arrow, trying to get 20 to 30 feet up in a tree and play the wind and get a deer within 20 yards. It takes some effort, you know, and if yeah. you, you know, it's, it's so easy to get lazy and be like, yeah, the wind's not exactly right, but I really don't feel like hauling those freaking climbing sticks in there and climbing up in a different tree. I'm just going to go get in that ladder stand, you know, and if I think if, my resolution is not i'm not i'm not necessarily saying that i'm going to get in a you know lose a certain amount of weight or get in better shape but i've got to i got to remain more active during deer season because during the summertime during spring turkey season and glenn you you and i are the, very similar in this i you know just by matter of wanting to be a turkey hunter i end up walking a lot and i get a lot more exercise just organically from that and then, you know, I right. coach baseball, so I'm busy and I'm on the field and I have a lot more energy and I get a lot more done. And then deer season comes around and there's no more baseball to coach. And it's a lot easier to just park and walk in there to that ladder stand. And then the holiday season start to come around. And, and, and I've gotten, I've noticed really over the last couple of weeks, it's like I really need to be making more effort if I want to have better hunts. And I don't have the energy to do it. And I really want to try to try to counter that i want to try to not i've kind of i kind of feel guilty a little bit like hey you know i mean you on here talking so, about deer hunting every week so, on this podcast you need to be making a better effort so yeah so next year i no did the same thing a lot this year i found myself <laughs> easy now easy going a little too far <laughs> uh, i i uh i, I got a uh I, I did the same thing, this, you know, deer hunting this year. I, I you know, okay, I got, you know, we got a southeast wind. I got these three stands set up for, you know, where can I go? I'm going to go to this one because it's closer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, I found myself doing that a lot of that this year. So, I, like I said, that's, that's my resolution is I'm going to get myself in better shape. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, uh, I've always kind of prided myself in being in decent shape, but I, here in the last couple of years, my age started to show up. Everything on me hurts, you know, and, and, I, and I found that if you stay in the gym and, 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 and eat right or try to, you know, halfway right, you feel just so much better. Like I said, you get so much, you have so much more energy and all that, but uh, having young kids and always the only time I can go to the gym is early in the morning, you know, before work. Uh, and I just, <laughs> I can't only get my fat butt up in the morning to go, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to do better. I promise you, I'm going to do better. So. All right, Colin, do you have a resolution as we wrap this thing up? 
I need to either the rest of this year or next year, I need to force myself to finally click the release one of these times, you know, I need to to shoot something. Think you, I, I need you to help me out here. I, I need, or I need you to continue to help me. I just, Oh, I'm pushing you towards the edge, but I just, I, I can't, I, I can't push you off the edge. Every deer I see is just not big enough. And I just need to, so, Glenn, you, you don't that. know this about Colin, Glenn, but Colin has a mental block when it comes to actually killing anything but a pig. He'll shoot any pig he sees with unabated <laughs> violence. Yeah. But when it comes to deer, it's like every time yeah, he goes on a hunting enough. trip, he comes back and he's like, yeah, I saw this deer and I thought, I, and I'm pretty sure the deer's old enough. And I'm like, dude, you got to just shoot something eventually. And, I mean, it's yeah. not like he's, like, passing deer where I'm like, yeah, dude, I mean, I, I get it, man. That's probably – no, it's – no, it's like, dude, like, we're we're two or three years in here. You know, we got to shoot something eventually. Yeah. Like, hell. I mean, oh, some, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just got to send it. You just, you just got to say, you know what, today know. is today. Huh? And yeah. uh, what? Yep. I, I don't know, man. That's – uh. I'm still, I still like to shoot them. I ain't gonna lie. I'm, I'm 56 years old, and I, I still hate them like I did, you know, when I was 15. I, I like mm-hmm. to kill my share of them, you know. Because you know, I gotta have five in that freezer, you know. <laughs> you know I gotta but, feed all yeah. the kids and dogs. But uh, <laughs> well, the, yeah, the I got you know, all these dogs and stuff around here, getting my truck with me. But yeah, uh, yeah, man, don't be, don't be kill. too picky. Sometimes it's just time to kill one. Kill 50. So, I kill fifteen pigs a year, and it's just like, well, I don't need to shoot five deer now. Yeah, I'll you just do. Let them go till next yeah. year. Yeah, you hey, do. I kill, I kill five yeah. hogs myself this year for my bow. I, I, I shot four opening day of bow season, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they run a good deer off of me, and, and they kept coming. I kept shooting them. First time I ever left her out of the woods with zero air, yeah, yeah. none. <laughs> I'd done that down <laughs> in the swamp here. a time hey. or two. Well, yeah. well, hopefully yeah. we can. Ho- hopefully, so your your resolution is next year is to is actually send the arrow toward a white tailed deer to to get out of his own head and just go ahead and shoot one of them. Yeah, get I out mean, of I head. I don't yeah. have I don't have any doubt that if he was fortunate enough to encounter the right deer, that he would shoot it. But it's all those it's all those in betweeners that he's just not sure. And it's like, dude, at some point you got to just you know you got to break the ice. Like, it's kind of one of those things where um, it's a contagious thing, you know. Sometimes you got to – it's like you shoot that, you know, you shoot that one turkey and all the rest of them start gobbling, you know. That's right. It's That's, just it's just yeah. how it goes, Look, man. The, the deer I shot yesterday, the deer I shot yesterday morning, of course, he was a very mature deer. His head gear wasn't, wasn't all that, but believe it or not, and this, look, this is, this is just, just how deep. I've let. A dozen bucks, without exaggeration, go with better horns than the one I shot yesterday. But let me just tell you, yesterday was the day it was just time to kill one. Look, you know, I'm I had a guy tell me that a long time ago, something about, you know, he's like, hey, it was just, it, he was at the wrong, at the right place at the wrong time. You know, it was, it was my day to shoot one. So, <laughs> And, you know, I understand because I ain't, don't, uh, I ain't don't, far don't off. Don't worry about what people think. 
or whatever, if you want to shoot him, shoot him. I ain't far off. I ain't far off from taking a drastic, a, a dr- making drastic decisions myself because this has been a rough year. Yeah. And I, I, I look. I was here since uh, November the second. I killed one in the Midwest, a nice buck, but I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't shot a deer since. I'm, you know, my bow was starting to question me when we, when I put him in the truck. He's like, "Well, you gonna actually shoot something, or are you just gonna keep watching?" You know. Well, so, I ain't gonna lie to you. Time. I looked up yesterday afternoon at about five o'clock, and that big cowhorn spike was walking towards me, and I thought you might better take the trail to the right, son. <laughs> You, <laughs> you and yeah. and he did, he did, you and might I yeah. turned into a call. <laughs> I might have to yeah. convince myself that all you're ever going to be is a big spike if you just keep walking this direction. <laughs> hey, that's the old saying: "Watch a spike, always a spike." Yeah, yeah. Which is furthest thing from the truth ever, but yeah. still. Yep. All right. Uh, I think well, we. I think happy we. New Year, you guys. Yeah. Happy New Year to you, and thanks for jumping on the podcast again and uh, yeah. giving, us, giving us something to listen to. I always enjoy talking to you guys. Yeah. Well, All right. we wish everybody good luck and a, a prosperous new year. Not that we won't talk to you again here real soon, but um, hope you all have a great New Year holiday. I hope the rut's good to you. I hope the weather turns around and, and gets back to a, a, a good cool. And I want to remind you that we have some new hats on the website um we've got some new rope style hats some pretty cool new designs and uh some some new trucker style hats as well as well as uh plenty of t-shirts still in stock and stuff like that so if you didn't get any louisiana bow hunter gear in your christmas stocking then uh you can go out and you can buy it yourself and if you buy it between now and uh january the first or like i said we're going to extend it through the first you can get in the December gear drawing for Moultrie Edge cellular camera and some other Louisiana Bowhunter gear. And um, so just uh, get out there on LouisianaBowhunter.com. Check that out. And if you got a local retailer, we've been getting some of these new hats and stuff in those stores too, so you can find that out there. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening and following along, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week.